We can definitely say God is good and all the time. And I want to say thank you. Of course, uh, God has been faithful, but he uses faithful people. And so I'm thankful for those of you who've been uh, faithful to give even through the pandemic. Many of our uh, people figured out how to give online this year when they couldn't show up and and people still mail in their checks. But I, I just want to say thank you to your faithfulness uh, to give. And, and again, I'm, I'm so grateful that God's faithfulness is not dependent on my faithfulness. And, and uh, more than any other year, at least for me and like the, the years I've been involved in ministry, God definitely proved that he is good and that he is faithful. So I'm going to invite you to turn to First Peter. We're going to this morning just take a moment uh, to kind of go uh, just a quick review, three different verses that we've looked at uh, the last few weeks and kind of uh, in a setup for where we're going to go. I hope that as you walked in this morning, you grabbed one of these papers in the back. Uh, one, of, one side has, uh, says hope in the new year, and it has these few verses we're going to look at. Uh, and then on the other side has the membership covenant that we are going to get to in just a moment. So First Peter, and as where we're going to start this morning, First Peter chapter number 1, and it's in verse number Three. We looked at this a few weeks ago. Here's what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according, I love this statement, according to his abundant mercy. You know, it was one of the first ways that God describes himself when he talked to Moses, that I am merciful, that I'm gracious, that I'm long-suffering, that I'm slow to anger, And I am thankful that God is abundant in mercy. And it says because of his abundant mercy, he has begotten us again to a, we looked at this a few, week, few weeks ago, he's begotten to us to a living hope. We have an expectant hope that God's going to come back for us, but we have a living hope. God lives in us. We have a li- Aren't you thankful we have a living hope? It's just not a hope so, maybe so, but we have a living hope. And how do we have the living hope? The author says here, we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And we made that statement, because Jesus is alive, we have hope. Because he lives, remember the old song, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, we also will live. As followers of Jesus Christ, that we have a hope in a living hope, in a living Savior. And so we have a living hope. I want you to turn then to Romans chapter 15, just a few verses, uh, a few pages back. Romans chapter 15, and we, uh, again, Chris Kirkendall preached through this passage, and in Romans 15, verse 13, it says, now may the God of hope. I would, I would encourage you or challenge you to underline that. We serve a God of hope. Remember the definition that we have used for hope? It is, it is a healthy optimism uh, from a promised eternity, that we, as followers of Jesus, we, we know how to end. And we're going to spend eternity with God. That's why the psalmist said that I, I will, not, even though I walk the, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will fear nothing. Why? Because you're with me. And he ends the psalm by saying, We shall dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? Forever. Healthy optimism from a promised eternity. Eternity, And it says here, Paul says, the God of hope. May the God of hope fill you with 
I love these two words. May he fill you with joy and peace. The world we live in is not always joyful, is it? The world we live in is not always peaceful, is it? But you see, my joy and my peace is not dependent on my circumstances because I serve the God of hope. And Paul says, may the God of hope fill you with joy and with peace in believing that you may abound in hope. How can we abound in hope? It says, by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, at the moment I gave my life to Jesus Christ, at that very moment, he gifted me the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what Paul is saying here is the God of hope can fill you with joy and he can fill you with peace that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Which means I don't have to, my, my emotions don't have to be attached to my circumstances. That I can have joy, I can have peace, I can have hope because God, the living hope, is in me. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1 as we dig a little deeper into this idea of God in you or hope in you. And in Colossians chapter 1, we looked at this last week. Colossians 1 verse 27 says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this, mercy, of this mystery among the Gentiles. And in other words, what he's saying is the mystery, which we'll see what the mystery is in a moment, has been made known to the Gentiles, to all the world, to us. The mystery has been made known to us. The riches of this mystery. Well, what is the mystery that's been revealed? It says, which is Christ in you? The hope of glory. This mystery that's been made known is that Christ dwells in the life of the follower of Jesus. And Jesus is the hope of glory. Now, when we think about this for a moment, that we as followers of Jesus Christ, we have the hope of glory, Christ in us. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can abound in hope, joy, and peace, that we understand that it's a living hope, Christ in us. Isn't that good news this morning? You can be more excited. Isn't that good news this morning? And when I think about this thought, that I, as a follower of Jesus, can have hope in spite of my circumstances. That I can have joy in spite of difficulties. Because Christ is in me and the power of God rests inside of me. That hope, I should be willing to share that. Should you also, as a follower of Jesus, who has the hope in you, the living hope, the power of the Holy Spirit, should you also be willing to share that hope? Yes or no? Yes. And as I think about the church, you know, uh, a, a famous quote says that leaders are dealers in hope. And I, I read another quote by Brad Powell. It's on your paper. I think it'll be on the screen. It says that the church is the hope of the world, but there's this statement that's kind of a catch, right? The church is the hope of the world. What is the rest of the statement? When done right. And I think as all of us 
uh, have just admitted that if the hope rests in us and the power of God is in us and we have the living hope that we should want to share that, then we understand this statement or think through this statement, the church is the hope of the world when done right. It seems like a natural progression here in thinking is that, well, then how do we know if we're doing church right? Because we want, do we want the church to be the hope of the world, yes or no? So then it seems to make sense, right, that we should want to know, well, how do we do church right? And I think a great starting point is if you flip the page over, if you have this page, this uh, church membership covenant. About uh, four and a half years ago, when you called me to be your pastor, when we started doing our membership class, we made everyone that went through our membership class, uh, this is in the back of their membership booklet. There's actually two of them in every booklet. One of them is for them to turn in after they've signed it. One of them is for them to keep after they've signed it. Now, I'm not going to be naive enough to tell you that every person that's ever signed this covenant has lived up to every statement on this covenant. In fact, some days I don't live up to this covenant. But what I do want to challenge you with, what if, let's think for a moment this morning, what if, if the majority of our church, the majority of you in the room this morning, or those of you who are online, those that were in the first service, if we actually lived up to the standard of this covenant, you know what I think would happen? I think the statement would be true for Hallmark. This church is the hope of the world when done right. How is the church going to be done right? It's going to be the people who make up the church, because you are the church, live up to this standard. So what I want you to do this morning is we're just going to walk through this really quickly this morning. And what I want to challenge you to do as we walk through this membership covenant is I want to challenge you, it does have a place for you to sign at the bottom that you would sign it. I'm not going to ask you to turn it in. I want you to keep it. And I want you to put it somewhere where you're going to be reminded every single day that I have made a covenant to my church to live up to this standard. Because what I really want is I want our church to be the hope of the world. And if the church is going to be hope of the world, it's going to be you and me making a covenant to live like God has asked us to live. All right, so let's walk through it this morning. Number one is uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to make a statement here. Well, let me just read the, the opening paragraph. Having received Christ as my Lord and Savior and being baptized and agreeing with Hallmark's statement of faith and strategy, I now feel led by the Holy Spirit to unite with Hallmark church family. In doing so, I commit myself to God and to the other members that I will, and then let's walk through it. Number one, I will protect the unity of Hallmark. You know, we spent the entire 2020 praying John chapter 17 Remember, I asked you to set your phone alarm at 1 o'clock and that you would be reminded to pray for unity because Jesus prayed that the church would be unified. And the reason Jesus prayed for the church to be unified is that he knew when the outside world looked at the church that was filled with a body of believers that were unified, that they would want what that church had. It points to the goodness of God and the glory of God. And what we saw in the prayer of Jesus is that as God, would you make them one so that the world would know Jesus, and that they would believe in Jesus. And we've been spending the whole year praying about that, but here's just three action steps or three points. Uh, A, by acting in love toward others. B, this may be difficult for some of us, by refusing to gossip. And now I know you guys have, uh, there's never ever any gossip in this church. I understand that, so we could just skip over that, right? 
see by following the leadership. And let me tell you what I tell every group that comes into our membership class. See, by following the leadership, but, but there's a condition here. You should follow the leadership of this church if the leadership of this church is following Christ. And if the leadership of this church ever stops following Christ or stops preaching the word, you should stop following the leadership of this church. And you really have two options when, when that happens or if that were to happen. That is that you leave, go to a church that is leaders are following Christ, or you go through the bylaws and you remove the leadership who's not following Christ. Are you tracking with me? In other words, you need to hold me accountable. You need to follow the leadership of the Christ, uh, the, the leadership, if the leadership is following Christ. You need to get rid of leadership if they're not following Christ. All right? So I tell that to every group that comes through membership. Number two, share the responsibility of Hallmark. Uh, a, by praying for its growth. You know, just praying for your church. Uh, one thing I love, and this is just one of the things, but one of the things I love about Hallmark is we are a multi-generational church. We have four, in some cases, five generations in this church. And one thing I really appreciate about the older generation is I know that that old generation, they pray for this church. And they pray for the leaders of this church. And we need more people to make a commitment every day. I'm going to pray for God to do something in this place. I'm going to pray a, a prayer of protection over the leaders. I'm going to pray a, a, a prayer of blessing over the people of this church. And so we want to pray for its growth. B, by inviting the unchurched to attend. Your neighbors should know where you go to church, and you should have already invited them. Those people you work with. Those people you uh, uh, go to school with. Those people that you play sports with. And C, by warmly welcoming those in attendance. You guys ever been in a church where um, someone, you heard, you actually heard someone stand over someone and say, uh, that's my seat. Anybody ever heard somebody actually say that in church? Put your hand up. You know, I'm not saying it was in this church, but you've heard it, all right? Maybe it was this church. I remember several years back, I, it wasn't here at Hallmark, but I, I was just kind of standing in the back, and I'm trying to be observing things, and there's this guest, first-time guest, first time to ever come to the church, and she's sitting there, and one of the ladies in the church, she, she just stood over her like this. And I was like, what's going to happen? And, and the lady looked up. She said, yes. And she said, that's my seat. And the first time guests got up and moved. And I was like freaking out inside. And I was like, Joy, could you go handle that? <clears throat> So we won't camp out on that, but welcoming others in attendance. Number three, serve the ministry of Hallmark. Serve in the ministry of Hallmark. A, by discovering my spiritual gifts and talents. You realize when you gave your life to Christ, you were gifted the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has uniquely gifted you to serve in the church. And what I tell everyone who joins our church is the goal for you is not to just come and sit and observe. That the moment you transfer from being a guest to a member, your roles change. No longer are we there to serve you, but you are now here to serve others. And I think for most of us, that transition doesn't always 
take effect. Like we walk into the church thinking people should serve us. But the truth is, as a member of this church, you should walk in this church ready to serve others. And if you're not involved in ministry, can I encourage you to get involved in ministry? And I think one of the greatest investments of your time, if you have a limited amount of time that you can serve here at the church, is to invest in, in our Hallmark Kids ministry. Statistics are very clear that the most people get saved and give their life to Christ before they turn 18. And if that statistic is still true, which I believe it to be, the greatest investment we can have is to invest into those kids who are, who are ready to make a decision for Christ. So I want to serve the ministry, B, by being equipped, and C, by me developing a servant's heart. All right, let's move on to four. Support the ministry of Hallmark. And there's three ways here. By attending faithfully, by living a godly life, and C, by giving regularly and generously. Now, I shared in the first service um, a little bit of my struggle this year. When I look at A, Hebrews says, forsake not the assembly of yourselves. And, and 2020 has been a little unique on that, hasn't it? You realize there's people in our church that uh, haven't been in the building since March. And for some of them, that is wise. They probably shouldn't be here. They have a lot of health risk in order to come. And, and I'm, I, feel, I feel sad for them. I'm thankful for our, our um, video team and technology team who allows us to be online so people can still feel connected and be a part of the service. Many are watching right now that, that it's just not wise for them to be here. But the reality is there's a lot of people who haven't been since March that I struggle with a little bit of um, a judgmental spirit. And as a pastor, it's my responsibility to, to encourage, to admonish. That's what the scripture does for us. To correct, to instruct in righteousness. And, and I'll just be, you know, I'm just being transparent with you this morning that that's been a little bit difficult in this area this year. Because the reality is, every single day of our life, we um, are what I would call, we are managing risk. No, no more so than this past year. Like, I'm going to go to this place, here's the risk, and we're always uh, adjusting, like, is, is the reward worth the risk? And if the reward is not worth it, then I'm not going to take the risk. Okay, are you, are you tracking with me this morning? And here's, here's where my heart hurts a little bit this, this year. I believe that coming into this building and worshiping with you is worth the risk. I also believe that our staff and our volunteers have done an amazing job providing a safe environment. We ask you to wear masks as you come in and out. You sit every other pew. I mean, relatively in my estimation, this is a safe place. And what has hurt me this year is that some people have made a decision that church is not worth the risk. And so I'm asking you to pray for me that I won't be, you know, have a judgmental spirit. Because my guess is if I'm struggling with that, you may be also. We don't have to say amen to that. We're just going to keep silent, okay? Living a godly life. And, and then I want to camp out for a second on C. 
by giving regularly and generously. You know, Matt uh, mentioned that uh, in 2019, uh, going into 2020, we had a, like a 9% budget um, cut. And the reality is, um, as you looked at the graph, if you're a math guy, you see uh, the percentages there. There's not a lot of areas to cut in our budget. When, you know, this, this line item is 1%, this one's 2%. And the best way for us to make any, you know, hay, to remove the hay, as Matt said, was that myself, uh, Pastor Matt, and Pastor Dave uh, decided to take a 10% pay cut going into 2020. And the reason we did that was because it was just the, it was the most efficient way, most effective way to get where we want to go. And I remember Joy and I having a conversation uh, last January about that and talking about, well, what are we going to do about giving? I'm, I'm thankful that I grew up in a home. I learned how to give 10% a long time ago. And we've always, since we were married, given at least 10%, if not more, and so going into 2020, we're taking this cut. What are we going to do financially? What are, are we going to keep giving what we were giving? And we made a decision that we were going to give what we gave in 2019 and maybe even a little more. And in fact, you remember the series we talked about leftovers, and I challenge you maybe for the next 90 days you could increase your giving. And, and we both decided let's, let's do that. Let's do that as well. And you know what happened this year? God blessed you saw what God blessed our church financially, right? Wasn't that amazing what God did? I would have never expected God to use the government to help the church. But he did. But, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit foolish because if you read the Old Testament, God did that a lot. God used, and we're not calling anybody wicked, but God used wicked pagans to fund the nation of Israel. But for us personally, the things that God did for us financially this year is unbelievable how he blessed. And I say that, again, I, I've been struggling whether to share that way because the goal is not to say, look how good we are. The goal is to say, look how good God is. When you look at the church finances, I can be very clear to say this year, God, God doesn't need your money. The church doesn't need your money. But when you fail to honor God with the first fruits and to be generous and gracious in your giving, you are the one that misses out. Because trust me, God's church is not going to fail because you don't give. None of us are that important. God is going to provide for his church, and we saw that this year like no other year before. It's interesting, though, in December, uh, I sat down with Pastor Dave and we, we were talking about the finances. We were looking at what God did, and wow, look how God provided this year. It was unbelievable what God did. And, and then I shared with him, you know, when, when, when we took that pay cut, Joy and I talked about it, we decided that we, were gonna, we weren't going to uh, decrease our giving at all. We were going to see if God would allow us to give more. And I said, man, God really blessed. And you know what Pastor Dave said? Interesting. Don and I had that same conversation last January. And we made the same decision. And God has blessed us financially this year like never before. And it got me thinking. So a few days later, I went, and I'm in Matt's office, and we're talking about the finances. And I share Matt. Man, Matt, Joy and I had this conversation, and we decided that we were going to keep giving what we did in 2019, and God blessed. And you know what Matt said? 
Julie wouldn't let me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Matt said, you know, Julie and I had the same conversation. And we made the same decision. And God has blessed us financially. And again, I, I tell you this story not to, to brag on any of us, but to say that God really is good. And God is faithful. And if you will sacrifice of your time and your talents and your treasure, God always comes through. God always provides. And as I think about this year and the theme for the year, I'm going to ask the band to come out and prepare for our last song of worship, but look on the other side of your paper, Acts chapter number 2. The last few years we have uh, prayed one-word themes, you know, there's greater things, or we prayed for more, we prayed Last year that God would make us one, that would be unified. I'm going to ask you this year to, you know, to change your alarm. Hopefully your alarm has been at 1 o'clock and that you would change your alarm for 2.42. Okay, you can choose whether that's 2.42 a.m. or p.m. I chose p.m. But Acts 2.42, what does it say? And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and of prayers. In Acts 2.42. And I think when you think about doctrine and fellowship, I think it leads to two words that made me want to pray this year. And so this sentence, and I want you to, to learn, it's on the bottom of your paper, and I want us to, to pray through this every day this year, and that is this, that God would grow our faith and strengthen our community. I believe that if we, as we've all stated this morning, we want this church to be the hope of the world, if that's going to happen, we as individuals need to ask God to grow our faith and strengthen our community. And I want you to do something this morning to, to take an action step, okay? So maybe there's a pen there in the pew in front of you. Maybe you need to just get your phone out and put the notes. I want you to make one action step for each of these thoughts today. All right, one action step that you are going to take to grow your faith, okay? Understand, your spiritual growth is dependent on you. The church is here to help and to equip, but you're the one that's going to have to do the work. What is one thing you could do this year to grow your faith? Maybe that's get up, getting up earlier, spending some time with God. Maybe that's downloading the YouVersion Bible app and doing a reading plan. Maybe that's grabbing the reading plan that is sitting back there on the connection center. Maybe it's to make a commitment to be here every Sunday that you can. I, I don't know what the action step you need, or God could give you something completely different, but just write down one. Now, I would encourage you not to stop at one. This week, begin to pray about it. Lord, what are some things I could do to intentionally get closer to you, to grow my faith? The second is, what could you do to intentionally this year, what's one thing you could do to strengthen your community? Maybe that's to, to go on the church website and you can fill out on my hallmark, here's areas of ministry that I would like to serve. I, I would like to serve in kids or I play the guitar and nobody knows it, what, whatever that is. Don't sign up if you can't play the guitar, okay? We don't want to tell you you're bad and all that stuff. What's one thing? Maybe it's you're going to make a commitment. I'm going to join a connect group or inside of my connect group, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see someone every week that's not there. I'm going to text them that week and say, I'm praying for you. Is there something I can do for you this week? What is one thing right now you could think of to strengthen community? 